Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today, as our holiday extravaganza continues, we yeah. take a brief break from the movie realm and look at how do cartoon do with holiday? Yeah, this is our holiday suite. Uh, you know, I'm tired of all this happy podcasting. It's Merry Carton Cast. Mar- Merry Carton Casting. Merry Carton Cast to you. Um, yeah, so we wanted to take a look at just, like, the holiday episode for um, a few shows where, one, they were either particularly good episodes or particularly good shows, but also just sort of resonant, uh, like, cultural touchstones of holiday episodes. Yeah. Um, uh, quick quick aside, uh, since you mentioned Mary, did you know that it, the phrase used to be uh, gay Christmas, but because... Uh, Mary and right Pippin were so gay in that movie. Because the right kind of took so strongly the homophobic route that they had to change it to Mary. Ah, the old euphemism treadmill. Also, that's not true at all. I just made that up. I, I'm looking forward to when we can say have a based Christmas. Yeah, I, I want my <laughs> Christmas to be based and uncucked and... <laughs> For real? And and hot to death. And I, I don't know the terminology of this generation anymore. Uh, it's on fleek. Anyway, oh God, that's such a Bojack. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're looking at holiday episodes of cartoons. This is an interesting one because I, I wanted to pick your brain about it before we start. We got three different cartoons mm-hmm. and holiday episodes to look at. Yes. Uh, but before we kind of get into that, we have a vague point of reference from in the Wayback Machine when we did Treehouse of Horrors. Yeah. Because we didn't want to do The Simpsons, because that would have been a gargantuan task. But looking at Treehouse of Horrors gave us kind of a a patina of what The Simpsons was, I think, at its best. Yeah, I've actually been going back and watching a bunch of Simpsons lately, because we had, like, a month of Disney+. Plus. And, man, like, the stuff from those seasons was really good. The Treehouse of Horror, I think, was consistently even better. Yeah. And and that's kind of what I wanted to start with, which is my uh, just general understanding, just general perception of holiday episodes is that they're better than the surrounding show. Yeah, they kind of they kind of have to be right. Like you have to put in care to develop a message. They're usually, you know, longer. They're not the like cut in half 12 minute episodes. They're the full 20 whatever. Um, And, you know, you, you have to link together themes right they has to be in the forefront of your mind to link a plot to a holiday in a way that is fulfilling it's not something you can throw at the wall with some poop humor you know you you can't get away with it i sort of agree but i sort of disagree the reason is that uh in the shows that we're watching today futurama charlie brown and um and rugrats i would argue that they all more or less have a theme going in and that the holiday theme is only unique in that it's holiday themed Mm. And not that it's themed at all. Yeah, these are these are ones where it's not just like, oh, you know, the spirit of giving or like, let's all be nice to each other. It's like these shows specifically have taken aspects of a holiday's like uh, aesthetics and just done an episode with it. And that, it, that's, I think, the point that I want to highlight is that they just decided to do an episode with it. I think the reason there uh, there's two possibilities in my mind why holiday episodes are particularly good in Mm -hmm. a series 
The first is just that it's the author putting their thumb on the scale. They want to do a Hanukkah episode. They have, as it turns out, a lot of material to draw from. Uh, mm-hmm. So they kind of get to... It, it, it gets them juiced. You know, they, they put their energy into the episode in a way that they normally don't because it means something to them. Yeah, that's, yeah, that makes that's, sense. That's possibility one. The second one is just that when you're playing around in a Hanukkah episode you have just a lot of room to tell jokes in a way that you don't normally. Like, it it opens up an entire field of cultural touchstone humor that is normally off-limits. You can make really, really, really tired Jewish accent (laughs) jokes, and they will make sense. Yeah, (laughs) those never get old. Well, we've talked before about how, like... When you're telling a joke, you have to set up an expectation and then subvert it. And if you have, uh, like, stereotype humor, you don't have to set it up. It's implied. Everybody knows it. Um, or you don't have to subvert it because you're just a lazy hack. Um, mm, always and a possibility. Ho- and holidays kind of do a similar thing, right? We know what we're looking for. We know what a, a holiday show or a holiday uh, uh, aesthetic is supposed to be. So you can do a lot more with your same amount of effort, right? Because the audience is assumed to know the references. Yeah, and and looking back on kind of the previous generation of holiday cartoons, uh, the the standard was lower for passing mm-hmm. because, you know, back in the Charlie Brown times, uh, and you know, the, the audience of that is just a lot shallower. Uh, the holiday episode could be about the holiday. You go forward to Futurama. Now we got to get subversive about the holiday. Mm-hmm. You go forward to Rick and Morty. Now you have to have a meta joke about the subversiveness of a holiday episode. Yeah, it, you it like <laughs> it compounds upon itself through time, such that I wonder if it's just going to get harder and harder to make holiday episodes. But looking back to the three that we looked at uh, this uh, this time, as we'll as we'll go through, yeah, it's it's pretty clear that the bar was not too high, so it was easily cleared. Yeah, and and also I think it was uh, a good idea to mostly avoid you know Christmas episodes because those are overplayed. That like every show has one. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think you know we we took advantage of this theming to visit shows that we can't really talk about on their own individually because either they're too good or there's just a lot like to talk about or just you know there's not enough to talk about in one case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the holiday thing is a nice entrance ramp to touching on aspects of a show which otherwise might be might be difficult. It is a good entrance ramp. I don't want to say that uh, Rugrats or Futurama or Charlie Brown is necessarily beyond our purview. I would maybe make an argument for Futurama just because we'll just say that it's good the entire time and never get anywhere. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I think I think we could talk about Rugrats, um, but the other mm-hmm. two like. I don't want to watch any more Charlie Brown. I'm, I'm uh, fine with this being <laughs> our. Uh, I'm th- fine with this being our cultural touchpoint to to those things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's kind of all the preamble I really had. Unless you have anything to say about you know holiday experiences in general. Um, in, no, I'll in, just say I, I I um I went ahead and, and checked out um one more episode from each of these uh, the. Uh, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, um, the second Xmas episode for uh, Futurama, and then mm-hmm. um, the Passover special for Rugrats. Which, oh boy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that was that was just as good as the Hanukkah one. 
Okay, good. I only watched the Hanukkah one this time around, but if you if you cite things about the Passover one, I will probably remember them. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing because these are so good in the in the you know in the in the realm of how well that show performs. Very memorable episodes. So a mm-hmm. lot of the things that we watched today, I remember just as some of the phrases from the episode that stuck with me. And the reason is because I probably watched the episode a good number of times because yeah. it was always on during during the holidays. Mm-hmm. And it was always, you know, memorable because it was good. Yeah. And, you know, growing up Jewish, it's like, oh, I feel seen in this. Like, oh, the, the you know people arguing about which set of dishes we're going to use or, you know, uh, we're going to, or, or the, uh, like specific synagogue children's play area. That is just like Mm -hmm. a couple of pictures of dreidels on the wall and maybe some Mm -hmm. books very well observed. And I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. And that's kind of where my experience with holiday episode comes in is, uh, what kind of experiences I can look at and say, I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine that the feeling is probably very similar for um, for for Christmas for those who were indoctrinated into that at a young age. Mm-hmm. The bit of heartwarminess that is sort of part and parcel with the holiday episode misses me, like almost entirely glances off. Hmm. Uh, and I imagine that some people could get something out of it, but it certainly wasn't my wasn't my stance. Yeah, it's it's uh I couldn't really feel the big family big family coming together vibes that I think something some of the Hanukkah one wanted to wanted me to feel or the patriotism of the Thanksgiving which is for some reason related. I think showrunners and and uh cultural controllers generally um like directors and producers and stuff recognize that like every family has like a Christmas tradition. So, you know, if you make yours even somewhat good, you've got a shot of being somebody's and that that's what drives the that'll drive your marketing or but, drive, but, your, drive what's your clicks. Nice, what's nice is that each of these properties, it's removed enough from your experience that it's not sort of that uncomfortable. Oh, I feel seen in too precisely a way. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm reobserving my, you know, uncle's domestic dispute for the holidays. Like it never <laughs> gets to that like level of yeah. thing. It's always like. I don't know, Charlie Brown has a Thanksgiving dinner before his Thanksgiving dinner in, like, outdoors, and he feeds them gummy worms. I might be mixing, mixing stuff up, but the <laughs> point is... Uh, that doesn't require it, like, a lot of foreknowledge of Charlie Brown. Well, and it just, like, you can watch a Futurama Xmas special, and it's like, yes, there's Xmas things in there, but none of it's close enough to get that uncomfortable. So, like, it, it, I, I think that it's probably, like... They keep the whole heartwarming thing at arm's length. They try to be uh, familiar with the subject matter without being intimate with it. Mm-hmm. So you'll have Xmas traditions, but you'll also have a Santa robot. So like right. the, that nice blend of I'm familiar with this, but it's not literally a scene from my childhood. There's still that Futurama glossiness over it that helps it go down and in that same touchstone that I always bring up, the buffer is useful in getting yes. me to let to get some of this stuff to go down. Agreed. Uh, anyway. So what order do we want to tackle these in? I have them in the order that I wrote them down. Uh, I'm also fine leaving it to the dice. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, I guess... I would not like to end with the Charlie Brown one. I agree. Why don't we start there? 
So, a, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving was released in 1973, uh, and it won an Emmy for a children's special. Um, this was their third holiday special. They did a Christmas one in uh, 1965, and uh, uh, you know, Mr. Pumpkin Brown, Charlie Man, was yeah. in uh, 66. Um, when, when, I'm sorry, I, I missed. What, what, what's the date that this one was in? This one was 73, so about a decade after the other ones, wow. and it really shows. I went back to watch The Great Pumpkin, and it's so much more, like, limited, weak animation. The voices are all clearly young children who don't know how to act. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just like, very low production values on the whole. Uh, this yeah. one was a, was a big step up, actually. Um, and Which makes sense, given the proliferation and acceleration of the medium um peanuts in general you know the the comic by charles schultz um it had a lot of different uh shorts because they made like a peanuts tv show and it was up for renewal and he was like no thanks but we'll do some shorts we'll do a christmas episode what do you want yeah and like i I think this was the era before syndicated cartoons so like that was that was what was on tap Mm -hmm. you know like you wouldn't really get the same. Uh, I I, th- I think that these like I I guess I I don't know enough about Charlie Brown to make a determination, but if if you got him in the syndicated cartoon era, uh, these would probably be less of an exclamation point as far as the show run is concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we we do want to. Uh, I, neither of us liked the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special. Yeah, so it's it's we, not we sh- really. It's yeah. Go ahead. It's not really a uh, uh, entertainment. No, it's it's so in the broad I sense. A couple of things to note: one, it does look amateurish in our you know experienced tune watching eyes. So mm-hmm. let's always put on our glasses and recognize that this is from a different era and try to judge it in its own weight class. Uh, secondarily. I felt a lot of commonality from the old Mickey Mouse cartoons that we used to watch that that we watched for uh, the Fiddlesticks episode. Mm, yeah, and so that that was kind of we don't have a lot to draw on from this era and prior, right? Yeah, the, the other stuff Popeye, from this... we have Mickey Mouse. Those are kind of our main ones, and this is vaguely along that that line. The, it's, the it's timeline. The it, yeah, it's the first one in our timeline to have plot, let's say. <laughs> well, well, the, the things to compare this to in terms of other things that came out in the 70s that we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen Gumby, which is, of course, in a class of its own. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen Star Trek, the animated series, very limited, very plot heavy. Um, yes. We saw Johnny Quest. This is a lot like a slice of life from this era that wasn't Hanna-Barbera. Kind of an anomaly. I think the thing to keep in mind is that in the 80s, uh, cartoons were to sell toys. Prior to that, they were kind of their own experimental thing. Like, this wasn't trying to sell anything or necessarily even appeal to anyone. It It, was just kind of... It it was a special. And I think I misspoke earlier. Like, they did the Christmas special, and then people liked those, and they did a couple more, but mostly shorts. Um, And that's kind of considered, like, the show. Um, Right. Charles Schultz did not like animation, broadly speaking. Um... Right, because this is coming from comic strips. So, like, even the genesis of this is uh, in the Mickey Mouse territory, mm-hmm. and would would this is kind of the last thing that we are dealing with that came from a comic. Um, but a fun fact, I guess, is, Garfield and Friends, um, because 
he didn't like animation, but respected the work that the animators did to bring his cartoons to the screen. Um, he, rather than calling them animators in the credits, uh, they are referred to by the term graphic blandishment. What does that mean? Uh, blandishment, I think, means like to like to draw out of or to like elicit a, a reaction. Oh, so it's a, like a, a tincture of animation. Yeah, they, they like. They squeeze Essence the comic strips graphics. into animation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Giving that. Uh, and I just thought that, that was very 2. interesting. One dimensions sheen. Yes. My my eye was drawn to that during the credit sequence. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I I didn't catch that. That was a good one. Um, yeah, and and so like I guess let's just talk about the bro- I can pl- talk about the plot broadly, and that can be just the entirety of it. Yeah. And then we can just kind of point out things that we noticed. Does that work for you? Yeah, that that works fine. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that we we start off with that uh, you know classic football scene of of Lucy pulling the football away. Um, mm-hmm. This is all we see of Lucy in this episode, and it feels very perfunctory to just like do this to Charlie Brown, like get it out of the way. I think it's like so that people still recognize that it's Charlie Brown, probably. <laughs> right, because it's been a while. It's been like you know seven or eight years since the last special. Yeah, yeah, just like th- this is the cartoon character that you remember iconically. Uh, this is, you know, the the Lucy and the football. I cannot believe how iconic that is as a cultural touchstone, given that I have no interest in the peanuts. You know, yeah. it's like it just it dispersed from that singular thing to like just encompass. Like I've I've read this reference in um, in Dresden Files of all things. Oh right, <laughs> with Lucy and, and the football, and it's like surprisingly uh, like. Like Charlie Brown is is surprisingly like gloves off in his assessment of the situation. Like, listen, mm-hmm. Lucy, we both know what's going to happen. I'm going to yeah. go and kick it, and you're going to pull it away, and I'm going to fall down on my back and kill myself. <laughs> like, yeah, whoa, Charlie kill, Brown, kill myself, kill myself to death. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think that you know, in some sense, I thought he was failure... a lot more passive about this. No, failure child is timeless, and self aware failure child just just mm-hmm. is like the extra sauce that helps that uh, <laughs> that go down. But yeah, it's um, it, it opens with the the football gag, and then kind of out of nowhere, uh, Charlie Brown gets a phone call from Peppermint Patty, who invites herself and also Marcy. And I keep on thinking of him as Token, and I know that's not it. Uh, Franklin, F- Franklin, Franklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just invites all of them over into into Charlie Brown's backyard for Thanksgiving. And Charlie Brown is like, I didn't know how to say no, so we're going to do a Life and Times of Tim thing right now and just yeah. uh, <laughs> suffer through the experience. She's really taking advantage of his lack of confidence. And this this episode, it she's kind of the star of this, right? Because she wasn't, oh, yeah. she wasn't always in the early stuff. Marcy was a very recent creation uh, in the series for, for, for the animation thing. Um, and so... You know, this is all about her and her interaction with Charlie Brown being uh, extremely flirtatious, but also putting that on to Charlie Brown, like uh, assigning an opinion yeah. to him. Balls in your court, Chuck, old buddy, old pal. <laughs> Listen, Chuck, uh, I, I think I, you're being I real forward. And I, it's not that I don't enjoy the flattery, but I think you got to buy me dinner first. By the way, can I come over for dinner? I'm coming over for dinner and bringing friends. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like Peppermint Patty's performance in this. Like, yeah. We can, 
we can tell the audio mixing is not very good. Uh, mm-hmm. As you said, the voice acting used to be much worse. It's still not very good, but yeah. she is kind of a, a highlight of the bunch. Yeah, these these are some children. I think the music uh, is pretty good on the whole. I think Patty's theme is, is a you know it's it's a oh, driving hi hat, rambling piano kind of thing. Uh, you got the, the classic theme. Yeah, it's it's well, I mean, it's the same thing that we saw with Mickey Mouse is that the music is just orchestral score, so you can't you kind of can't fuck that up as long as you know the tape doesn't snap. <laughs> well, this, is, this is more of like a ragtime, you know, whimsical flute kind of nonsense. But uh, we, we get the Charlie Brown theme. We get the like just excellent jazz score going on in the background. We also get uh, a recurring like do 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 do. Traveling yeah, I, music, walking around music. Yeah, walking around music. Yeah. Um, we also get uh, a uh, uh, Snoopy music. Uh, this is Little Birdie uh, instrumental, where we just kind of see Snoopy and Woodstock marauding around for a bit, doing that, their okay. thing. Okay, so uh, let me get you through the plot to wherever you can get to Snoopy, because I got some stuff to say there. Uh, Linus basically fixes his problem for me. He's like, uh, just have two Thanksgivings, one earlier in the day, and then you can go to your grandparents, and bing, bang, boom. I'll be That's here smart. all week. Yeah. Uh, and and so they start organizing a Thanksgiving dinner. Fine. Uh, and Linus just, like, six Snoopy, hey, Snoopy, go fix it just do everything just fix, make it make it happen <laughs> you know we are, we are um we're children right we're not allowed in the garage we're not allowed near the stove you're a dog i don't understand the hierarchy implicit in this <laughs> yeah in this, it's, in this a, familial institution i'm a little early for this also like snoopy gives like the uh you know the the salute yeah he gives well, him he... the salute and then just does what he's told i'm not fam- i'm not familiar with cartoon dogs being obedient well this was a different time ben he served in the war (laughs) world war one to be precise he was the red baron oh okay gotcha down in the trenches with snoopy well no he was in the air force come on now don't you know any snoopy lore Uh, i was thinking woodstock i apologize i was woodstock once for a uh an improv show uh we were uh yeah we called it you're a dead man charlie brown and we were all like murdered grizzly I could have sworn that that was a, a phantom phrase that I, my own brain and I had like a, <laughs> had a jam session. Those three fuckers. I can, I can never tell when it's, you know, when it's an actual joke that happened, whether it's you <laughs> said it or whether it's I said it. Cause they're all just like, I might've dreamt it. <laughs> You're a dead man, Charlie. But that's good. That's, that's very good improv territory to walk around in. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so, Snoopy so, makes with trying to get the table together. They go to the garage. Um, <laughs> this, and this thing is, is absurdly full. The garage door antics with the basketball hoop feel very Mickey Mouse to me. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, we're we're taking hey, a break from the the with, magic circle of reality that has thus been established for some more wacky stuff. Animal environment smash them together and get as much slapstick out of it as you possibly can oh That's he boxes a folding chair mm-hmm. yep I, I i recall this the, <laughs> the, the the basketball hoop uh also pretty good do they do the i think they do the i'm upset or disgruntled or i just got hit or something and there's like that little squiggle animation above the head yeah you know what yeah. i'm talking about that little like, yeah the anime hashtag oh, oh no the, the, like the like Single like stink question mark? Not even the question mark. It's just a tangle. You know? Oh, it's just the, like the, a, the snarl. 
It, the snarl, yeah. It's got a little snarl. I think mm-hmm. that happened with, with this a couple of times, which I always appreciate as kind of sure. animation shorthand. But yeah, then, uh, yeah, there's a surprisingly long amount of time that it's just Woodstock and Snoopy doing Charlie Chaplin physical comedy to a, to a, to a musical number. Honestly, mm-hmm. my favorite part. Yeah, mine too. Uh, I don't really, and I liked I liked Patty and uh, I like Patty and and Charlie Brown as well. Sure. Again, with that life and times of Tim, just what what does a man <laughs> do when he clearly doesn't want to be there but can't really say no? A man who is not in control of his life but is forced to show up. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, we also have Snoopy and Woodstock uh, making the toast. This is where we get uh, the classic Peanuts song. Um, and he's we get, we get a toast montage. There's no other phrase for this. No, I, I like it. I actually like that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it kind of harkens back to something in my child uh, childhood, like the, 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 the little world of Richard Scarry, just kind of like the, the very colorful, lively environment without any kind of villain. I got a lot of that from Snoopy making toast. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. Not a lot about this is Thanksgiving like specific like until they like put on pilgrim uniforms they do they do put on hats and hats with buckles on them and linus has quite a lot to say about the american empire um (laughs) but like it's just like a big meal event right like and i know that's what it is for a lot of people but it's just a little musket now yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty weird and like uh, where we're rambling a little bit with plot and everything it's more or less over You've, yeah, you've it's not got important. the bones of it. Yeah, they, they uh, uh, you know, they, they come to terms. They have to figure out why Patty's being such a jerk to Charlie Brown and how he's going to, you know, manage this and Marcy playing, you know, score re- referee, scorekeeper in the middle of it. I, I really like Patty and uh, Chuck's relationship because she's carrying on both sides of the domestic dispute, which is very, like, uh, kind of hacky comedy. This is the... This is the space that women interact in, and the man is, like, very agentless about the whole thing. Because, hmm. like, she's like, hey, man, you invited me over for dinner that I invited myself to. Where's the where's the pigs and blankets? Where's the, where's where's the Cornish the game hens? Yeah. This, is not, this is not up to snuff. Jelly beans here, will popcorn? not do it, sir. Yeah. Uh, and Chuck just, like, very neutral on a pain chart expression up, up <laughs> ups himself from the table and leaves because he's like well i sunk it no there's no good outcome here i'm done for the day <laughs> like not not he's not mad he's just like i there's no more good i can do here everybody i'm best, taking the l i'll see you next special the, yeah i'm doing this one pass fail <laughs> I'll take the I'll take the fail. We don't need to like go into negatives here. I can't make this better by staying. Please so be sportsmanlike. Accept my conceding. And then Patty just kind of resolves the rest of the relationship dynamic by herself. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh yeah, I was a little hard on Chuck. Chuck, old buddy, old pal." <laughs> yeah, it's like mostly her talking. I, which is like, I think that that dynamic is fun and cute. Yeah, and it is uh, kind of resolved again when they go uh, just. They're all invited to Charlie Brown's actual Thanksgiving because, you know, he wants to spend more time with these people. Yeah. Clearly. It's cute. If if there was a heartwarming thing that I would get out of this, it was it would be on behalf of Charlie Brown's grandparents, which do not show up. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they sing uh, to grandmother's house in the way that only horrible children can. 
Yep. Uh, again, vocal performance is really terrible. Yeah. Since we're kind of closing this out, a couple of animation notes that I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually really like their faces because oh, they're all the, like the emotions. Yeah, they're all like halfway to Supo Hobgoblin faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the the big bulbous noses reminded me like of Ed and Eddie just a little bit. Yeah, and there's a lot of real estate on those faces for how small their features are, so you can play around in that space with emotions. I, yeah, there is a lot of like cheek and forehead flesh mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to most uh, to most cartoon characters. Extra flesh. It's uh, very weird. I like the way they waddle when they walk. I think that's very cute. The little like bobbing yeah, yeah, up and yeah. down, feet moving in a way that they don't have knees. I. I I would put this up with, like I would, I think that this, yeah, it's it's such an iconic form of walking that my brain rerouted how I played Final Fantasy VI and like any of those <laughs> other JRPGs where you're on the overworld map, and I just see it as the Peanuts walk now. Da na na da na, yeah. And I have one fun fact to close this out. Whenever uh, Charlie Brown screams, they are using the screaming clip from the original voice actor, Peter Robbins, um, for consistency, I guess. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's the Wilhelm scream of the Schultz universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a... And to, to close this out further, because I still had notes, Zane. No. Crayon backgrounds. What do you, what do you think? I, I'm really seeing where the offbeats came from. Oh yeah, this is very one to one with all, all the music, the background, this. the motions. It's it's just they're they're they've stole it. Yeah, whole cloth. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, I'm into it. I mean, that, that's yeah. a good. It's a good aesthetic. <laughs> like I like the way this looks. Um, it just sounds horrible and has no plot to it, and is very yeah. unentertaining. But it looks mm-hmm. good. I think it looks good. I don't know if you agree with me there. It's it's like a children's stage play, right? Like the kids are doing their best, they're cute, sure, whatever. The background mm-hmm. like the set had to be made by a competent adult, right? There's no yeah. way to around that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good way to put it. Um I also I, I just I noted there was one moment in this that I actually laughed, which mm. was uh the the phone call. Oh where yeah. Patty is just inviting herself over and every time he can get a word in edgewise, the only thing that chucks can say is well i uh <laughs> just just that verb like four <laughs> times in a row at every interjection yep um yeah yeah it's uh it, it is it is not great it has nothing to do with thanksgiving i was happy to see snoopy dunking himself in a in a garage hoop uh garage hoop basketball hoop in the garage yep yep and now we will never hoops. Now we will never talk about peanuts again. I'm, I'm going to talk about peanuts. Like it's it's huge. Like <laughs> uh, we can't we can't gloss over just like what a huge phenomenon peanuts was. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, if I would be shocked and amazed if uh, Bill Watterson didn't at least take some inspiration, if not outright crib uh, some of the. Uh, some of the some of the character designs for Calvin and Hobbes. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, definitely deeply influential. I just you know, there's not a lot of meat on those bones from our current modern perspective. Um, yeah, no that that carcass has been uh, it's been picked, scavenged. 
Yeah, uh, it had me forward, once. That's a good forward point. and back. Well, <laughs> every part of the cartoon. So which uh, which every part of which cartoon do we want to look at next? Uh, I I mean for some Futurama. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think that one's the other breezy one to, to kind of talk through because it's Futurama. It's deep in my bones. It's so, yeah, it's, I don't remember a time in which I did not love this show. Uh, I, I, I remember being the one guy who, like, wasn't going crazy for Family Guy because I o- or always had Futurama as kind of my, mm-hmm. that, that, that was the... That was the high mark of cartoondom in those days, and so I could I could view the the um, the Family Guy phenomenon with yeah. somewhat less cloudy vision. Sure, and uh, and just to add a segue from our previous segment, uh, they actually have a, a Charlie Brown reference in this episode where oh, the kids think? are just skiing on the on the frozen over lake before Brett Bender smashes into it. Oh yeah, I did, <laughs> I did put that in there, yeah. Um uh, but yeah, this is this is that classic Futurama era where they're just cramming jokes in as much as they can even if they're not jokes for everyone. There there were a couple where it's just like I find that hilarious. I don't know about anybody else. Um like when when yeah. Professor is telling Fry about the Santa Bot being constructed in 18, 1801, and halfway through his description, Fry's like, "Wow, eighteen oh one." Anyway, twenty eight oh one, twenty eight oh one. Yeah, that that's uh, just, that is, just really works on me. Totally, and, and this also you get the feeling like the creators also really wanted this episode to stick around in the continuity. Mm-hmm. Because there's things that are, dude, the ax you a question thing, <laughs> that's all of Futurama from here on out. Yeah. There's yeah. a single joke and they were just like, let's just keep doing that forever. It's now part of our world building and we love it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they bring Santa Bot back again uh, later, both in the um, <clears throat> other episode that I watched, as well as um, the first Futurama movie. Where he and Kwanzaabot and the Hanukkah zombie form a, a militia, mm-hmm. with a pretty good song. Um, Don't they have like uh, like Christmas tanks in that one? Yeah, something like that. Mobilizing Christmas is, is something that <laughs> is, is is something that the show really wanted to do. So we're starting off small. It's just a it's just a it's just a it's just a Christmas Terminator at first, <laughs> um, and then and then they get the actual artillery support later on yeah. when they have the funding for it. Yeah, and this you know this is early Futurama. This is season two, um, and so it had a lot of pathway in which its its uh, impacts could reverberate out because Futurama went on to have depending on how you account for it somewhere between seven and ten seasons uh, and it's yeah. getting more even now yeah I, I'm not I'm ready to lie this lie this puppy to bed but uh, I'm, I'm holding out for one more fantastic episode we'll see we'll see man uh, I wasn't thrilled by five and six I think that it ends at four and possibly a movie mm. Anyway, let's broadly talk about the plot. Uh, Fry is nostalgic for Xmas. They go a skiing for some reason. They start the episode skiing. We start the episode skiing for reasons, and then Fry is nostalgic for Xmas and tries to explain how he used to do Xmas. And uh, <laughs> it's revealed that both he and Leela are kind of in the same boat. They're they're both kind of alone. This is before Leela 
found her sewer parents, so she right. just assumed that she was a last of her kind orphan. Do do we need to lay any groundwork for what Futurama is? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I'm not um, willing to do that. That's fair. Uh, we didn't have to explain a bald six-year-old, did we? No, and we won't again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's um. Oh, my thought's gone. My brain went away. So, he, so it, the the whole episode is basically Fry wants to share his loneliness with Leela, and the only way he can figure out to do it is to go get an Xmas gift. He gets a parrot for some reason. <laughs> the parrot flies away. He has no Xmas gift. Also, he's out on the streets past curfew, which means that uh oh, Santa's coming. Yeah, this is and the Santa, Lord. <laughs> I this something about Santa was too finely tuned to <laughs> judge which children were naughty or nice, so that no one met uh-huh. his standards. Is such a fun sci-fi concept to me yeah and, and it's I, so irobot i love it i hate to constantly bring up the good place but this was a major plot point there too which is like where are these points coming from who's in charge of this system really yeah who wrote this code where's the documentation <laughs> on this bot also why did they feel the need to make a santa bot <laughs> it's not like we've <laughs> yeah, ever i love not it. had santa <laughs> the nice thing the great thing about futurama is that you can start in nonsense Mm -hmm. in a way that you couldn't in simpsons yes there was an amount that you could push the envelope but homer still had to have a job and he couldn't fucking fly that is no (laughs) like there's no there's no reason that fry can't just have superpowers there's no reason that santa can't be a homicidal robot you work Mm -hmm. your way backward from joke you know yep uh, and we, anyway. you know, we have an extended Santa murder spree. The gang team up to stop him, and uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of a we end up with a heartwarming Christmas after all. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to talk about how um, the, the idea of Christmas becoming Xmas, and the idea of you know family and togetherness becoming huddling in fear from this robot Santa. The the way that like mythos changes over time, the kind of thing that we saw in Wizards, where like the the religious figures just yeah they know religion happened they have no idea what happened <laughs> they're there's just like kind of making it of, up from what they know there's like a game of archaeology telephone going mm-hmm. on with uh with this with this lorelet yeah yeah I, I i like that a good amount and just like they don't know that christmas is called christmas it's only xmas <laughs> yep <laughs> that is very good and even fry only says xmas and no, it's a great way to make Christmas. it more broadly palatable, right? Like, no, no, no. Fry says Christmas. Fry says it, and then everyone else is like, oh, oh he must mean be Xmas. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. That's an archaic pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right, like, I... like how we look at the thorn in old things, and we're like, oh, that's ye, but it said the. It's just the letter looked different. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I gotta wonder what this... Because there's this... Futurama cosmology is so weird. Like, they have a relationship with Christianity, but it's very not one-to-one. It's filtered through the prism of robots can be religious, and the robot devil actually exists. It's it's a very weird, like, they only knew the one way to invert religion, which was to add robots. It's like, well, we have Christmas, but it's a robot Santa. <laughs> or, you know, well, we have the devil, but he's the robot devil. Or we have God, but only Bender can meet him. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of only point. have the one axis. I guess that's like, that is the way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. 
give it, that is like that is like the big it's that or alien it's it's yeah. robot or alien is the new space that futurama has carte blanche to make up lore about that people can't get mad at them for because because you know when you're designing a, a christmas special not like a lot of other holiday specials you have to be mindful of who you're offending and by just saying this is a different thing guys you you kind of uh, uh you cover well, a lot of your bases it's not even just the Christmas episodes. There, there's it, it kind of throughout all of Futurama. What they're doing is they're uh, they're using the framework of robots exist to explore certain political and social constructs. Mm-hmm. For instance, the prep- proposition infinity episode where um, mutants, uh, robosexuality oh, right, is one. a is a thing where humans and robots are not supposed to. Uh, are not supposed to intermingle, which is mm-hmm. has a lot of like homosexuality and also also intermarriage kind of uh, culture bound up in it. But they had they were allowed to do whatever they feel like because it's in this prism that no one is gonna really be upset about. Yeah, you know? the the message goes down smoother because your hackles aren't raised if if uh, you know if you've been indoctrinated one way or the other. Right. And also, it's that extra buffer because it's animated. You're not going to get, like, crowds of uh, Westboro Baptist churches protesting dogma, you know? Yeah. Trying to imagine. How do you, how do you protest a cartoon that's on cartoon? TV? <laughs> it's not in a theater. Yeah. Like, One it, hopes. It, the cartoon already has control of your child is the thing that they need to understand. Right. Ch- children in their weaker years are attracted to the occult. Yep. <laughs> I was about to bring up Direct quote. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it up for me. Um, a couple of like really nice Futurama-specific bits that they do in this um, mm-hmm. that just remind me of how good Futurama of this era was. They yeah. do a bunch of classic Christmas songs in the Futurama sound font. So like Joy to the World in the Futurama oh, like yeah. bang, 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 sound font. Um, yeah, they that's do, good. They do um, Fala La 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 in like a chase scene when, when Santa's attacking them. It's it's pretty clear that the people who wrote the jokes on the tombstones were also in charge of writing the lyrics to the Santa Claus is gunning you down theme. Sure. Like like every piece of music that they can bastardize through this Christmas Futurama lens, they do it. They don't waste any opportunities. One could argue that that might be that author putting their thumb on the scale thing that I was talking about at the top of the episode where like they just really wanted to fuck around in Christmas. <laughs> musically and Mm -hmm. this is like the this gives them the capacity to do so if we ever wanted to do a tier list episode futurama songs might be a good one that's a fun idea that that would be a very like if we had a youtube channel boy would that be clickbait because i uh i you know in the second xmas one where they go to neptune all the neptunians uh sing a song when they're back to work in santa's factory making toys i fucking love that song (laughs) it's really good it plays in my head nonstop, rent free (laughs) <laughs> why are you selfish little bastards yep yeah, that's, yep that's the that, part <laughs> that's it it's so good the transition is beautiful um yeah and, and the whole the whole voice cast gets in on it too right like mm-hmm. the like leela and fry and bender and the elves are all singing that the same thing happens with this santa claus is gunning you down you just everybody on the cast gets a gets a bite at the apple yeah so um, there are a few gags that I think are really funny, and then one gigantic flop of this episode that I want to point out. Where Ooh. do you want to start? 
Um, I think it's worth mentioning that we have a subplot where Bender uh, That's sets the up, one. He sets up his caroling scumbags scheme that's, where he's stealing from the poor. Yeah, that's that's the that's the fumble in yep. this episode. That's the whole Bender B plot of getting free hobo liquor. That's really subpar for Futurama, <laughs> isn't it? Bender is best when he's insecure and demands the attention and approval of others, and he's worse yeah. when he's just a bastard. Right. Like even those Bender should not be on TV kind of episodes, I kind of roll my eyes at because like they're they're stating the problem out loud, mm-hmm. and it's like I know the problem. I like I'm I'm familiar with Bender is the type of person who would steal liquor from the homeless, even though he's not homeless. Like that that gives me nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I thought that that whole subplot was super bad. Yep. Yeah, it didn't it didn't really add anything. It was a time filler. It was a way to get Bender on the street after dark so that he could end up with Fry and Leela, even though they all end up back at the place anyway. Granted, yeah, yeah, and like when I say it's really bad, I mean through the prism of Futurama. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's oh, just no. Futurama is such a high bar that it's, anything it's... that just is very standard really sticks out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what, yeah. Tell, tell me about some of the jokes that you really enjoyed. Because a lot of the Fry buying the bird subplot was very strong to me, just on a joke-to-joke basis. There's so much of this is that is just uh, voice acting really carrying it through. Billy West just debating whether or not to buy a parrot or 500 stink lizards for <laughs> a gift for a girl is just... this. God, that's such a good read. Yeah, this this like... Dumb fry for the joke, not dumb fry for the plot. Uh, early stuff really works for me. I am going to buy you so many lizards. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't given up that idea. Or when he um, <laughs> when, when he climbs to the top of the clock tower to get the bird back and doesn't realize that a bird can fly. Aha! Cornered! <laughs> yeah, like, again, the, Billy West is a genius at that role. And and he, he falls and they do like a holding on to a clock, uh-huh. like the big clock updated to futurama because it's a digital clock (laughs) was that that's not just like the uh it's like the buster keaton thing that's not just the buster keaton thing though right like i feel like i've seen the whole the clock is ticking downward and that means the person is gonna fall i know that they have a bit of like someone getting smushed between the hands in castle of caliostro that loop on the third movie it's a well-worn trope it's a well-worn trope because big ben is such a a centerpiece for mm-hmm. action like you always have to have a knife fight on top of big ben in a thunderstorm you know like, always it, yeah i, I don't i like, don't judge your christmas traditions <laughs> <laughs> xmas please um, um yeah so so i i do like the the whole falling with the digital counter going down and the music going along with that that's mm-hmm. like it high tension music and then he like tension grabs release the, constantly grabs the four and he's like whoo and then tension again, yeah, it's very good. <laughs> you can imagine the writer's room like drawing the numbers in digital and figuring yeah. out what what one works the best and is yeah. believable at this time of day and all that. They they found it. They found the line. Mm-hmm. So that that is very good. There's good background gags. Uh, I love that the soup kitchen is called our motherboard of mercy. Sure, Baker kitchen. Yep. Again, Futurama background that, gags. Borrowing that um, booze makes me go like that used to just be true for bender and now it's just all robots yeah now, now it's more canon or, or when fry <laughs> goes to the top of the tower and he like opens up a, a window it's like auxiliary maintenance window no banana peels 
That's very good. Who's the joke for? <laughs> it's for me. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, also, we get the really weird detail that the only person whom is not naughty is Dr. Zoidberg. <laughs> it's right. just such a beautiful anti-climax nonsense moment. Did, did we explain uh, explicitly that like the Santa bot was programmed just with a too high a, a judgment of what good counts as? Yeah, the, the the villain in this piece is computer programming glitch. Yeah, and the robot Santa, voiced by John Goodman, uh, <laughs> is, that's, is a, that's something. And the third act is just him chewing the scenery, attacking the crew. Oh uh, but god! Yeah, giving... And some of the some of the writing for all this is so sticky, but I love it. I'll be mm-hmm. I'm going to stuff coal so far down your stocking, you'll be coughing up diamonds. <laughs> Oh, it's it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the last bit that I wanted to say is just that this has maybe one of my favorite voice actor deliveries of all time. Oh, yeah? Which is uh, when Bender is serving the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the insta-barbecued parrot, and he's like, you got the toenail. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite deliveries from a voice actor of any person. Helps yep, to yep. you, John DiMaggio. <laughs> yeah, and when um, you know when when the rest of them are trying to close the grate to keep Santa out, and he says use teamwork, uh, that's that use is <laughs> that is a joke that I say constantly. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Any opportunity I get, use teamwork. Wait, wait, like in a teamwork activity that you clearly could be helping. I with. could be helping, and I'm not. Or like. Oh, I have a job as a manager. <laughs> Use teamwork is so good. God damn. Yeah. Futurama, excellent show. This episode, excellent episode. Weirdly terrible B plot with Bender, uh, mm-hmm. but mostly high marks across the board. And yeah, def- I love, definitely. I like love a, the notion of a robot Santa. Yeah, definitely like top third of Futurama episodes, I would say. Easily. Given that, yeah. given and all it's the also chat got that some comes later. In there. Yeah. It's also got the, 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 the immortal romance in syndicated cartoons of Leela and Fry, which is, I, I don't know if there's a romance that has been that well handled in that era. Like, uh, certainly you get farther along and you get some more nuanced stuff like in Steven Universe or what have you. But like of the early thousands era romances like usually when you're dealing with cartoon fare romances last all of an episode or oh, a crazy aunt found a new yeah. guy to date and it turns out he's smuggling heroin or you know right. something classic. like that classic was that ducktales that, that, that classic sitcom plot yes it was launchpad mcquack <laughs> <laughs> sorry mr mcd i just you know like you're not paying me enough yeah i tried, I tried <laughs> stealing a- some of your gold but it's like bolted down there or something <laughs> The idea that Scrooge McDuck would bolt down his gold <laughs> in the water tower. You know he would. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Somebody keeps stealing it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the romance is generally handled well between them. Again, until those later seasons where they're like, we clearly or are dating, we, but also we're kind of not. And Yeah, we, open, we, but... closed, we closed the loop on that, and now we're trying to reopen it. Yeah, don't don't reopen it. Just accelerate. Yeah, just, yeah, make them Also have don't kid. have a kid. Well, th- no, don't don't have a. The, there's no faster way to kill a cartoon than to have a kid. I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Keep up with the aging demographic that watched Futurama. I, I think mm. that would. Be, I think that would play pretty well. They they might try it this time. 
Well, I mean, like, just if your choices are stagnate, redo, or accelerate, probably pick accelerate. If not, stagnate is fine. Just don't yeah, redo just, it. Yeah, I just think, you know, babies in, in those kind of shows don't often add a lot. I The way I'm seeing it is kind of a Maggie, Maggie Simpson, where it's just kind of a prop that gets moved around. Oh, uh, see, I'm thinking of it in, like, a Friends, where it's, like, weird that your baby isn't in every scene with you. What's going on there? <laughs> It's New York, man. Oh yeah, Work, working working mothers, uh, families breaking down, and etc. And uh, Zane, you're supposed to bail me out when I when I daughter. Oh on like well, that. of course they just had Launchpad McQuack as the babysitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. Okay, I <laughs> got it. Mister McGee, yeah. you adopted nephews. Why can't I? <laughs> I can't keep up with you in your Launchpad, Zane. <laughs> it's too high a bar. Don't you understand? Um, yeah, so that that's the uh, Futurama Xmas. Futurama's great. Xmas. Yeah. Santa, great concepts. When, in in the uh, sequel episode where um Bender has to become Santa. Mhm. Uh and they are trying to execute him and everybody shows up as Santa saying like, you know, I'm Spartacus kind of thing. And yeah. then Dr. Zoidberg comes in and says, and I'm his friend Jesus. And I'm his friend Jesus. Another and he says amazing it in that beautiful- voice line. <laughs> Yeah, the 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 like just the kind of tired voice which which he proclaims that he's Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Billy West can kind of do no wrong in yeah. in terms of voice acting characters. Yeah, uh, Johnny Bravo also had a Christmas episode. But oh, I, I, I can. Think that, <laughs> I, I can think only that imagine. One actually, wasn't very good if I remember correctly. Yeah, it wasn't like the sensitive guy one. That mm. one's immortal. Anyway, let's move on to the uh, to the 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 seder. Let's move on to the seder. <laughs> let's all go to the seder for two to four hours. <laughs> How long is a seder supposed to be? Um, Straight up. <laughs> I really think it depends on how much your hot family take. gets into it. Give me it. the hot take. I need a number. No halves. Unit. Give first me a night, unit of hours. First night, three hours. Second night, two. Nobody wants... I don't get out of bed for less than six. <laughs> I want to be missing a meal during a meal. <laughs> <laughs> Need to reboot? Now, Thank you. <laughs> now that I don't have to go to Satyrs ever again, I'm I'm prepared to have comedically hard stances about them. The Satyrs the best, you know, best part of the Jewish holidays. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, in my advanced age of early 30s i agree that talking to family and having a long meal is like the best part of having a family <laughs> right uh, you know i don't want an obligation i don't want family trips just talking in a meal Save a cup of coffee and a nosh <laughs> oh you're getting into the mood But we're, we're going to be talking about uh, Rugrats, the Rugrats Hanukkah special specifically. And, Hanukkah. You have Hanukkah. to when you say it. I have to. Huh. Um, and I'm going to be doing watched, a lot of that. I also watched the uh, Passover episode, which is also you know really good. Uh, Rugrats as a whole is a very good show for the listener. If you're not familiar with it, it is a cartoon about one-year-olds who have the mental ability of five-year-olds and the scrappy energy of nine-year-olds. I think that the show does best when 
concept in young adulthood is mentioned and babies have to figure that shit out yeah yeah like the notion of chicken pox and how it's better to get it as an infant and now all of the babies have to deal with the notion of chicken pox because chickens aren't readily available in this circumstance we right. don't know what it means right there, there's three kind of scenes in a in a rugrats the escape <laughs> You have the adults interacting, which kind of lays the plot and, you know, it gives you a bit of context. You have the babies, like, listening in and trying to understand what the adults are doing. Uh, and yeah, that can they be do kind a little back and forth. And then you have the babies' creativity in their own minds kind of thing, where they, we're often, like, a different—it's like a cutaway gag, but for most of an episode. Sometimes. Sometimes they're actually just, you know, they enact— hijinks that come out of the first part and the second part interacting and that happens yeah. in this one where adults set a thing up babies try to figure out what's going on come to erroneous conclusions very hilariously in this one uh and then the the action is them trying to act on their misconceptions and the two parts slamming into each other mm -hmm. yep it, it's uh it's kind of like how in uh scooby-doo where they set a trap and it backfires, but it ends up working anyway. Same thing yeah. for what the babies do. They, they they come up with a plan that has no basis in actual reality, but makes sense to them. But it works anyway because babies are cute and we forgive them for anything. I mean, yeah, as we should. They are they have no agency. It's not their they're fault. They're essentially Roombas that poop. <laughs> oh, man. I hate this upgrade. How they, do I... No, they crawl around. They eat everything <laughs> on the carpet. You better keep that carpet clean or... The... That, the that worst malware ever developed. <laughs> Someone's really trying to do cyber attacks on Roombas these days. Holy hell. Um, All right. We got a basic plot structure. Uh, grandparents are at the Pickles residence for Hanukkah. That on its own is comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, the Pickles, Tommy Pickles and his family, are canonically Jewish and you don't see a lot of that in this era. Remember, Rugrats came out in, I think, 1990. Mm -hmm. And we see extraordinary Jewish caricatures here, but it's done in a loving way. And, goddamn, no one creates old Jewish people like Supo. Klasky Supo. They're back at it again. People are lumpy. People, people are fetching. are lumps. Yeah, they're, they're fetchy lumps. Yeah, uh... This is wonderful. Just like hearing Boris and uh, and 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 who I don't remember the grandma's name. Mimi? I don't know what they said. What Mimi? Maybe or like? Uh, no, it's not Mimi. That's, that's the that's the abominable workplace woman from the Drew Carey show. <laughs> yeah, it could be both. I, I don't remember. They don't say her All name. All I remember as much. is her saying Daedala. Yeah, Bo which I'm people almost... say Boris constantly. Boris. Well, that's 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 because Boris has a rivalry in this <laughs> with Shlomo. <laughs> Shlomo. God damn. Okay, we got to step back for a second. I we were a both family, raised Jewish. A fan, these are characters. <laughs> the, these are characters that are in our like direct lineage. <laughs> like, I felt we, so seen. <laughs> we know these grandparents. Mm -hmm. Like. And even if it's not ours, like it's only you go to one bar mitzvah and you see like twenty of this guy. It's <laughs> very, very true. This is so goddamn true. It's amazing. Like all of the, just like as you said, the fetching. Mm -hmm. I go Walt, Would you see? Would you look at this mashugana? Like it just <laughs> nonstop. Uh, and the just fact that really they called, living it up. 
the the grandma calling Dee Dee Daedalich yep. is is just oh god all of it all of it beautiful <laughs> all of it all the time and I can't imagine a person who's not raised in this watching it and enjoying it at all <laughs> Like usually I, I don't know. it's I just think... like a little something extra. This, if you were not intimately familiar with this back and forth Jewish grandparents just like whining to the world, then mm-hmm. you're going to get nothing out of this. I, 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 feel I, like. think, I think Seinfeld normalized this type of humor for a lot of people. To an extent, but it didn't make it lumpy. And that's the critical distinction. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the idea is they're going to, it's Hanukkah. They're going to a Hanukkah celebration down at the synagogue. Uh, they're putting the old people are putting on a, a play, and uh, you know who uh, has the time. And um, you know the kids, the, these babies, they're dumb. They're trying to learn about <laughs> the the adults are like, let me tell you about the meaning of Hanukkah, and they're like, the meaning of Hanukkah, who's that? Done. Um, yep, got a that's new it. one. <laughs> that's all we, we have. We, to do. we have the whole plot now. We have a villain. They're gonna. They're like, how do we stop a meanie? You put him down for a nap. I got this. Give me another one. <laughs> Yeah, that's very good. They immediately come up with the plan to put the Hanukkah meanie down for a nap. I was constantly thinking the big, the 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 blue meanie, mm. which was uh, fun in my brain. But yeah, they're going to be going to the synagogue. We're going to have some synagogue antics again. Just uh, <laughs> holiday meets environment, and that that's all of your that's all you need for jokes to pop out. Yeah, like the the. The shot, the panning shot of the like synagogue basement or something, where there's like it Hanukkah like a activities. Fair. Yeah, where oh, you can get you know face painting for children. Absolutely correct. That's that's a thing that would happen. <laughs> so it, the, the thing is, like, I'm familiar that some Jewish communities are big enough to support that. We come from a small town where the congregation was dying slowly over the course of forty or fifty years, so we did not really have this. Yeah, this is more of like an active but not orthodox Jewish community. That's the one, yeah. Uh, our community was not active, so we didn't get this. I know people who have had this kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just a lot of good environmental <laughs> nonsense. Uh, the my, my personal favorite gag of the night is the guy in the dreidel costume. Yeah. <laughs> That's He's very... Incre- it's good jokes. Yeah. Again, He's jokes that they good. don't explain to the non-initiated. So when Dreidel Man falls down and there's a gimel facing up and a guy walks by and says, I won and grabs a plate out of his hand. Only for us, Zane. It, because when you play Dreidel and it lands on gimel, that means you win and you get all the goodies. And then mm-hmm. later on, he shows that he's got like a like an injury on his back where the letter shin is. And he's like, I broke a shin because of you. <laughs> he, These are not jokes for you. In his costume, the band is on the costume. <laughs> that is such good comedic articulation through this medium. Like, mm-hmm. we're very close to reality. This is not a person that could exist. <laughs> right. It just makes it pop just a little bit more. But yeah, the guy who, like the whole... who went to the bathroom in his dreidel costume. So good. And then, then, what, did he take it off when he was in there and put it back on? That doesn't work. No, he's he's dressed like that year round. He's schwitzing in there. <laughs> it's so good. Um, you know, uh, An- A- Angelica is uh, trying to watch her TV special through the whole thing. Yeah, they, they they play clips of other uh, Christmas specials. Did you catch Santa versus the Alien? Beautiful. 
I thought that's what our last episode was going to be. That was that was very good. Uh, I got some real Cowboys versus Aliens flashbacks. Where he grabs a chimney and uses it as like a, a rocket launcher. <laughs> that should be in every action movie. I don't know why chimneys are just not standard artillery fare. Mm-hmm. They should they should be like the Glock of cannons. Mortars? I don't know what a chimney is technically in in terms of bombardment capabilities. Um, Angelica is as a character. So she's like two or three, whereas the babies are one. And she's more annoying than I remember. She's really kind of like your your evil foil most of the time. Oh, I I liked her because of that. I I found her really engaging because uh, the whole... She's the Rosetta Stone between baby talk and adult talk. Yeah. And as the Rosetta Stone, she is privy to information to which the babies are not, and that allows her to be very manipulative, and she has no checks and balances on that shit. It, it's uh, a and fascinating that that piece was, of ontology yeah. where it's like, okay, there's an age where you can understand babies and adults. We aged out of it, Zane. I'm sure it happened for us, too. It's it's just such an interesting concept that I've never seen played with in any other media. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, and the vaguely in Wild Thornberry's also a Supo property, mm-hmm. um, but that was animals and because like I don't I think the idea is that babies don't have a language clearly, right? Whereas animals might. I don't know. It, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to articulate. We're we're playing in through in some really anthropomorphizy spaces, but we shouldn't be. We should be doing Hanukkah antics at the synagogue. Oh, yes. Um, one of the things that I wanted to point out, so, uh, uh, you know, they watch a bunch of Hanukkah sketches or, or whatever, and I love how into the whole thing Chucky's dad is, um, yeah. just as a person who is engaging with Judaism for the first time when they yeah. don't know anything about it. It's always very fun to me, like in media or in real life, because a lot of people, they look at Judaism and they're like, oh, this is just Christianity without Jesus. But it, but it's kind of like it's kind of the other way around. <laughs> well, it's just you don't realize how much of a load bearing Jesus that is. Like how well, much yeah, of it, it he holds. It up. pulls focus from so much other stuff. Like you have you have like barely three holidays, Christians. You're like barely trying at all. Jesus <laughs> is carrying that all that water for you. Yeah, and, and you know the reverse is true. Like uh, I always tell people, like when I. Like the first time I went to to go sit in a church service or something, and it, it, all the pastors talking about is like how much God loves you. I'm like, no, no, this is new information for me. No, God, God doesn't love you. God chose you, and now you both have responsibilities. So, so get at it, Shlomo. Yeah, God tricks you to kill your <laughs> kid, and you have to be persuasive enough not to let him do it. And yes, that's <laughs> you, the person that God created. You need to convince God not to commit atrocities. Well, that's the tier one reading. And then the actual tier two reading is the, the you know, uh, commentary on that. And then what you're actually supposed to learn is reading the commentary. Yep. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> yeah, scholars, uh, as, scholars of religion is just like a thing that, God, that's so fucking weird. Feels like Scientology to me. But yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a lot of good good stuff like that. Anyway, uh, as the play is progressing, or before it happens, we have bit satellite character Boris 
having a feud with his rival Shlomo, who has not uh, been here before. And they have, like, a, a very disarmingly frank and uh, honest conversation Yeah, that does not belong in a cartoon of any kind. <laughs> it's very good. Because, <laughs> like, like I, Boris is, is holding uh, grudges about this guy who's more successful. You know, he's got a business that he owns. And they kind of come to blows uh, about it, saying, like, oh, yeah, you're always lording that business over me. He's like, is that what you think? Is that really what you think? No, I'm jealous of you because Sadie and I couldn't have a family. <laughs> it, it's just God, like, man. God rest her soul. <laughs> like, this is a person who is grieving, and you're rubbing salt in the wound. And, of course, because of the writers of this show – all of the dialogue is going, is that what you thought of me? So sue me. I was lying. I was trying to make a make an impression. <laughs> like just like a, the very thick accent that I that is that is my entire childhood distilled. Just the, the fast talking dad energy of the entire thing. <laughs> I, I catch a I catch a he's like talking about fish. Like I catch a sturgeon. He got he catches a he catch he got his uh yeah I catch I catch a. a a trout, he catches a sturgeon. I catch the... A cold, I, I, he catches pneumonia. <laughs> I catch the cold, he catches pneumonia. Like, yeah, the, the the rivalry of old people that happened when they were young people. Mm. I got such strong vibes of Hey Arnold. Oh, yeah, where just like no one's thought to address any of the problems in their society until... For 60 right years, now. <laughs> they let it fester. 60-year-old festering wounds are something that I treasure in media. Because <laughs> they Cause make you... no sense. They have to... You have to imagine no life happening between those intervening years in order you for the rivalry to make sense at all. You can't get there by accident. No, it has to be cultivated. Um, so so during this time, you know, they're putting on the play, doing the story of Hanukkah. This is really the only actual holiday-inspired uh, episode that we've watched in this today. Um, yeah, they, they try. Because they talk uh, about how, uh, uh, you know, the king is trying to impose his culture on the Jews. And they're like, no, I don't want to. Um, and they're trying to draw parallels to, to some other things. And, you know, we see the old folks put on their play, but we also see the baby's imagining of it. And this is this is kind of what I'm here for. Um, yeah. Is, is This is also quite good. Babies inserting themselves into historical events, but they're still babies, but everybody else is too. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just thicker babies <laughs> for the Egyptians. Yeah. <laughs> They did this. Um, they did this really to really funny effect in the Passover one, where it's like, um, you know, they're retelling. They put Moses in the river, and the Pharaoh comes and sees him and takes him and raises him. But he's a baby here, so he's in the river, and they're he's just like, "Hey, I'm Moses. You want to be friends?" Yeah, because <laughs> they're already <laughs> conceptually an adult in this age gap. Cartoon are shorthand in. Age gaps are difficult to communicate in the Rugrats <laughs> cosmology. Um, and that also had a great, like, satyr, like, well-observed thing where it's just like, yeah, these bitter herbs or bitter herbs. And they have a long discussion about which is the right way to pronounce it. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I also like the gag of, uh, you see in the old person play, these are the scrolls that my forefathers read. And then you go into the baby version and my and 
Uh, he says, these are the books that my th- forefathers and five fathers and six fathers read. <laughs> uh, and it's just a pop-up book of, like, random of Jewish the... stories. <laughs> yeah. Which is and very their, cute. And their idea of oppression is just the guy came in and grabbed the and then went away. Yeah, my toy. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's very good. And, and they get intruded upon, and they're just, like, they hide it and start playing. And they're just like, oh, we were playing with our dreidels. We made them out of clay. <laughs> Yeah, the pregnant pause for the for the joke there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, th- this this continues for a while. Eventually, the babies uh, rush the stage and try to put the meanie <laughs> down for a nap as the play is going on. Mm-hmm. So they, they get put get in child into, jail. They get put in in baby jail. Uh, Angelica convinces them to all team up to break out because she wants to go watch TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do so, uh, but eventually uh, they interrupt Boris and Shlomo having having the <laughs> argument. Uh, the babies all start crying for some reason. Oh, it's because Angelica breaks the TV that she's been trying to get to because she wants to watch a holiday special. And Boris, like, picks her up, like, you know, at <laughs> arm's length the way that no one is supposed to hold a child because he doesn't know how to interact with <laughs> Uh, and he's just like, I don't know what to do here. Uh, and, uh, the babies come in and, you know, they all start crying because there's another crying small person in the (laughs) nearby vicinity. And just like Boris walks in and he's like, what's going on? I don't know. Just one thing that I I turn around. Next thing you know, I'm up to my dentures in Kinderlach, (laughs) which is Yiddish for children, which is just beautiful. good stuff. Yeah. And then Boris has to like. It has to, how like, to be, interpret. Yeah. He has to like interpret what the ch- what the children want because he's a family man. He knows what he's like, he's like. Oh, they want you to read you to read them a story. You want to take over for this? No, you're doing good, Babalach. Just <laughs> like the, just old men, kind of kind of coming together over trying yeah. to get these children to you know quiet up and listen it, to the story of Hanukkah. It's a it's a heartwarming story held together with you know some good jokes and some incredible flavor um yeah the the idea of angelica like oh if you want to put them down for a nap adults go to sleep while they're watching tv but also tommy figuring out oh adults go to sleep when they're reading a book both mm-hmm. things that yeah those those are things older people will fall asleep incredibly during. tightly plotted hanukkah special of rugrats i could have sworn this was longer than a regular episode it feels long like it feels complete they cover you know? so much ground here there's so much going on mm-hmm. and like even the like one-off joke uh the, the, the one-off jokes like the bit characters come back several times the dreidel guy the uh guy who thinks it's a hamlet performance <laughs> to be or Maccabee. He's and he gets the crown so later. Hard. Yeah, he, he brings like the boombox with the with the Shakespearean all that music going on. What does he think is happening? <laughs> yeah, he, just just a thespian that sees his chance mm-hmm. to do something. Yeah, I, I think that the Boris knowing what the kids want and telling Shlomo what they want is just such a really well-observed moment it's 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 sweet right it's like it's so sweet like it when you're watching this uh show the adults have a degree of emotional intelligence and empathy 
that as a when you are a child and you look at adults like thinking through things and engaging with the world in ways you can't even imagine it it's inc- it it's really impressive and the yeah. show does that a lot where where the adults most of them um are really thoughtful and engaging and they don't like have to explain it verbally you can just right. see it um with well, the exception they, they of show it on the page with the exception of Stu, who is just a large child no, no, no. Even <laughs> Stu gets a part in this. Okay, so let's let's rewind the tape. I'm going to come back to this big moment because this really cements why this ending scene is so damn good. We have to go all the way back to the beginning <laughs> of the episode. We're in. This is the thing that I remembered. We get Stu in the basement with Grandpa Pickles uh, building this... Hanukkah, this steampunk Hanukkah chimera. <laughs> yes. Um, that is difficult to describe. It doesn't use any of the sound effects that happen in a Rugrats, which makes it feel alien and creepy. <laughs> yep. And it and it regularly is exploding. <laughs> yeah, it's got <laughs> like firecrackers going off all the time. It's got, it's got like the going little up dancing. And down. <laughs> It's got, yeah, it's got the like the little dancing uh, Russian doll things going. Hey, Oi. hey, hey! <laughs> yeah, it's very good, and um, there it's going to be a centerpiece. They're going to present this on stage for the people who are watching in the audience. They get to the end of the episode. Stu finally makes it there through traffic, and he starts the thing up. The power goes out, and the entire curtain falls down on this big ostentatious golem of a of a hanukkah <laughs> representation and we see boris and shlomo asleep with the kids there uh and the menorah lit up because mm-hmm. uh that's what shlomo did to like to read the story of hanukkah to these babies so we see the entire facade of what hanukkah means to stew mm-hmm. fall down and then we see what it's actually about is just like family and like it, it, telling stories to each other that's it what's going be, on. It would be an incredible, um, you know, uh, takedown of the commercialization of Hanukkah if that was a thing. <laughs> I agree. Well, I mean, it's 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 not a thing in the capitalistic sense. It is a thing in the social sense of we have to make a big deal out of holidays. Like that, they're having to be like um, cultural signifiers to holidays. It can't just be. You exist with your family like mm-hmm. you have to go to services is like is kind of the way i'm i'm reading that one you sure. know it, it's not as gross as some of like the christmas spirit stuff because that is so highly marketed uh but i think that there is some 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 conflagration between like what does hanukkah mean versus what does going to a synagogue and listening to a rabbi mean like you, you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's, uh, i just it's it, it's it is a beautiful moment even though it it would miss if it was uh yeah i i agree with you in general it's not uh <laughs> it's not a takedown of hanukkah corporatism because that isn't really a thing right it is still a very sweet moment of like trying to peel back what hanukkah means from the story to the meaning behind the story and that also goes back into that torah reading of the torah interpretation of the reading of the torah like that several degrees removed yeah. From the actual text in order to get the Jewish mythos. Yeah, and, and we can see, um, you know, there, there's a part where Angelica's running around looking for a TV and she stumbles on the Torah. And, you know, this rabbi guy goes in and tries to tell her and explain her it's a holy book. It goes back to So well of observed. Years, and she's gone. If you're, 
If you're a child who asks anything about Judaism in a synagogue, you can kiss your knight goodbye. <laughs> people so desperately want young people to be invested in Jewish culture that they, they're like people trying to get you to sign a, like a, a petition outside the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Like, you I know, could agree with no, you 110% and I still don't want to talk to you. <laughs> no eye contact. Eye contact is a trap. They'll take that as an invitation. Um, but then, like, later, she and the babies, like, they're enthralled learning about this story uh, that if they were just told it straight, you know, would be kind of boring to them. Um, but they're they're invested in it now because it's part, like, they're learning the lesson uh, in multiple ways. I think yeah. that's great. Um, it's very cute and uh, very well done. There's a lot of little moments in this. I wrote a bunch of them down. I hope you don't mind me just kind of going through a couple yeah, of them. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I like the mispronunciation. Oh, this cinem- is a classic yeah. Rugrats gag. Yeah, they do it all the time. They did it with the Hanukkamini. That's good. Cinema Bob is pretty solid as well. <laughs> they they can't pronounce synagogue. That's not going to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, Cinema Bob. That's as close as you can get without all those hard consonants to get in the way. Um, I love the music of Rugrats. It's yes. Like half scat, half jangling music box. You know, like those rocket ship toys above the cradle that like spin in a circle. The, and the mobiles, that, like, yeah. Yeah, like do, do the little jingling sound effects. Mm-hmm. It's like that plus weird scat. Womp, 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 womp. You know, that those kind of womp, 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 almost like a Charlie Brown teacher sort of yeah, sound effect. We, we, we took an acapella group and isolated the one sound that doesn't sound like a human voice quite. And use that yeah. for everything. <laughs> the guy who said world in the Digimon intro. We yes. want that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I think that the voice performances for all the Jewish old people really are doing the lion's share of the work in this episode. It's, it's so solid. <laughs> the, the, the Jewish grandparents are just unassailably true. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the... Talking, uh... Like, even, even in, the, in the beginning, talking about latkes mm-hmm. it's like uh, those are not the, like uh uh chaz finster chucky's dad doing <laughs> the uh doing the christian who's trying to take an interest in in uh in their friend's culture yeah kind of thing. those aren't like any pancakes i ever saw that's because they're potato pancakes the real miracle is that these things have clogged up people's <laughs> arteries for two thousand years yet we survive <laughs> <laughs> there's a great uh toward the end of the passover special Boris is, you know, he's wrapping up the story of Passover and he's like, okay, let me tell you another Passover story. This one's about my aunt and uncle and how they met at the Seder. My uncle wasn't even supposed to be there, but his wagon broke down outside of, and he needed oh, to and borrow. Oh, is that where he goes like, oh, and oh, yo, 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 it was cold or something <laughs> yo, like that. Oh, yo, it was cold. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Really good. They don't make I, storytellers like Jewish grandparents. Forever I could listen to this. <laughs> and that's not to say they're effective storytellers. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're the most of it. <laughs> uh, I, the one one more gag that I I point I I thought was very funny that was almost certainly just an animator gag that they didn't decide to tell anyone about. Uh, when they're doing the whole eight days miracle thing in the in the baby myth, uh, where where they're like you know yeah just sitting around waiting for the oil to run out and they wait eight days. 
you know, they do like a passage of time. They're each doing a different thing each day. In one of the montages, Phil and Lil are playing with a football. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just, just, just roll that anachronism around in your mouth for a little bit. There, there's, I have to mention the Passover one again. There's an amazing scene where uh, Angelica, who is the pharaoh, uh, she's worried about this whole, like, firstborn, you know, death of the firstborn. Although they say, you know, the firstborn will be taken away, yeah. uh, which is somehow more menacing. Um, <laughs> and, and she's like, hmm, do I have to worry about that? And so she pulls out a hieroglyphic cell phone and calls and we get a split screen. And it's her dad, but in modern day... <laughs> Oh my God! That's and she's excellent. like, "Do I have any older siblings?" And he's like, "No, you're you're our first and only child. How you doing, my little Sphinx?" <laughs> like, that's weird and great. Mm-hmm. I forgot. It's it's been so many years since I've watched this show, um, that like I forgot that there's there's a lot of gold in here. Like it was well regarded for a reason. It's so easily dismissed once you graduate to. Hey Arnold and yeah Phineas and Ferb and all those other kind of kids shows that are not specifically babies but the show isn't for babies it's for young kids and weirdly I think that it's more palatable for older kids than a lot of young kids shows even though in like Phineas and Ferb the kids are eh, maybe Phineas and Ferb is not a good example but like the kids are younger than in, like, Hey Arnold, but I, I almost think that this is for older people more than Hey Arnold is. It, is that it's weird? A sh- it's a show for young parents, honestly. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Because you can kind of, like... It, it's it's the way, aside from interacting with your kid, to understand better how your kid might see and misunderstand the world. Kind of feels like a goofy movie in that way. Mm, you know, yeah. we're, we're seeing the same interaction through two different lenses, and they both make sense. Classic Cuspo. Uh, they they just keep doing it. I want to come back to Rugrats in, at some point for sure. a longer stretch because I, I think that you were right and that there is gold there and it's worth digging for. I think, just based off my fragmented memories, that the Hanukkah and Passover specials are better than most of the episodes in Rugrats. Definite and I think highlights. That that, I think that that one is probably creators of the show had a lot to bring to the table. Oh yeah. I mean, and, look look no further than the grandparents to get that. <laughs> yeah, these are clearly specific people or amalgams of specific people. Yes. So so clearly. <laughs> uh and again, you you get the benefit of the whole episode effect rather than the 13-minute thing. And they pack a lot of plot into there because they're used to doing a full setup climax denouement in 12. I I can't stress hard enough, especially coming off the back of one of the worst plotted uh, movies that I think we've done so far, which is uh, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, that this plot is just so perfectly... They, they, they intertwine the, the, the primary, the secondary, and the tertiary plot in a way that resolves all of them very satisfyingly. Mm-hmm. Like... Angelica didn't get her Christmas special. She tried and she failed and she was dismissive of Hanukkah, but eventually came around to it. The The babies try to put the meanie down for a nap, but they end up re- having him read a story and he does go down for a nap, but they all enjoy the story of Hanukkah. The, ri- the, the grandparent rivalry is resolved by cheering for the kids. And it all happens at one time in just like an, this incredibly 
all-encompassing sort of... Per- I don't know. I, it's been a while since I've seen a resolution that this that is this perfect. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong in that? Like, it is perfect, right? <laughs> is there it, anything wrong with it? It's it's dense, and it doesn't leave any loose threads anywhere. It's, uh... It's satisfying. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, um... We talked a lot. Yeah, it, it, it was an interesting kind of di- divergence from our normal thing, but I... It's interesting to see how different shows handle holiday matters. Most of the time, holiday episode is a veneer over just yes. a regular episode. It is a way to borrow aesthetic things. No more different than like the wear car episode of Futurama, borrowing from like classic horror cinema. Right. Um, but, you know, then you get something like the Rugrats, where it is clearly deeply inspired and uh, emotionally felt by the writers. And then you mm-hmm. get something like Charlie Brown, where it's I I could not begin to tell you what's going on there. Yeah, or or you get something like um, The Simpsons, where it is sort of like an experimental punt, and it happens to be wildly successful. So it's kind of its own niche market, even within The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and The Simpsons has like Christmas episodes that aren't Christmas episodes. You know? Do you know what I mean? Like That's three I've saved, eight I've ruined, two were kind of a draw. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I, I think far more shows fall into the, uh, Futurama use of holidays category than Rugrats use. Yeah, I think so. It, they're not quite as clearly inspired by personal experiences for the most part. Like a lot of the time it is just give us a new holiday to play with because we have a lot of jokes that we can do, but it's easier within the framework of a holiday is happening in order to do them. Yeah. You know, like, I want to do the Xmas Santa joke. Doesn't make sense to do it unless it's during Xmas. So, you know, let's 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 just have a whole episode devoted to those kind of things mm-hmm. and then just do it again later because we didn't get all of them out of the way. I think that's most of the time what it's about. I do think that the 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 joke space like the 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 joke possibility density is so strong around holiday stuff because everyone's got so many opinions about them and just yeah. like. They persisted for so long. It's built up. It's accumulated over time. You're kind of tripping over jokes. Yeah. Just going through the plot. Like, there's no... There's opportunities to put them every, everywhere in your plot. And you don't have to spend extra time justifying why a plot is happening because it's just, you know, tis the season. Like, yep. every once in a while, this is just a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, I actually, you know... Through talking around this, I actually think that I have a newfound respect for holiday specials. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there is that commercialist aspect that makes me want to kind of turn my nose up, but there is a lot of uh, utility to confining us in this particular joke space for the purpose of, of this holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely going to be looking forward to, uh, to, to, to more of those in the future, hopefully. Uh, But that will do it for our holiday suite suite of episodes, which you'll title something. Sure. Uh, And then, Zane, what are we doing next time? Well, next time we are watching a different kind of mismatch. Uh, We are watching Rise of the Guardians. The Guardians? uh, The Guardians, uh, a decade-old movie uh, that is uh, the Avengers, but they're Santa. It's not the one with the owls? That's the Ghoulies. 
Okay, I don't that's, know. That's that uh, that's like summer of the Gahul or something. Yeah, you know it's, what I'm it's one about. of those. It's one of those full sentence Japanese light novel titles. Gahul. Transported with a ghoul to another dimension where I'm Santa, something like that. I gotta Google this. This is gonna drive me insane. Uh, owl magic movie. Legend of the Guardians: The Owls of Gahul. Yeah, this is different. Oh, oh shit! It was about Gahul. Gahul. It by Zack Snyder. No, 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 no. That's that's too many things. That's too many impressions to have about a thing I haven't seen. I'm tapping out. Oh, it's about owls. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so. What oh no! It's like just time? about owls. <laughs> that's yeah, weird. that's what I said. <laughs> anyway yeah anyway what was the thing that what was it called exactly rise of the guardians eyes of the guardians rise Rise. of the guardians yeah ides of march rise of the guardians very good uh how about after that what are we using to close out our holiday extravaganza i think we gotta do something that is very well known Mm -hmm. and somewhat close to us uh we're gonna be watching prince of egypt yeah, didn't didn't get enough Passover yet. Um, this was the most expensive movie ever made when it came out. Mm-hmm. It has a great soundtrack. It was visually very impressive, and I'm really looking forward to going back to it. Every time I hear uh, hear the phrase "you're playing with the big boys," mm. uh, the song pops up in my head. Which is not a lot, but like it's happened more than twice. Which is if it ever happens. You're thinking of the song from Prince of Egypt, and that's a good time, man. You're playing with the big boys is, ironically, a phrase you hear much more often when you're young. <laughs> Nobody says that to me anymore, even though frequently you're I'm playing with much boy. bigger boys. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's all relative, right? Well, it's not a size thing anymore, right? It's a status thing. I see, I see. Uh, but yeah, that that will be the end of our holiday segments, so... Tune into those, and then we'll get back to something approximating our regular performance. Your regularly scheduled programming. Maybe the life and times of Tim. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe it's time Never for Never get out of this world alive. Uh, if you like us, uh, or have anything to say about uh, the rise of the owls in Guardian Land, uh, or the Prince of Egypt, you can go to our Facebook page. You can go to our website. Fancybat.com slash cartoncast to uh, suggest a show at the contact page or tell us anything that you happen to think about those shows. Uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or review. It means a lot to us and validates our existence. And more than anything else, please tell your friends about the Torah. <laughs> yes, we have, people have been talking about it for thousands of years, but one more couldn't hurt. <laughs> maybe we'll finally crack this walnut. What you think? Maybe you're maybe to... we'll finally crack this chamentashin. Uh, oh, it's nice. It's you know, it's not too dry. It's not too flaky. All right, you're you're starting to be Miracle Max here. <laughs> oh, just, An MLT, a mud and lettuce and tomato, where the mud is nice and lean. It's so perky. I love it. A little chocolate makes it go down easier, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Shalom. Uh, at least you, you should just like I know you haven't chosen a title for this episode yet. I'm gonna go ahead and front Jewish grandparents. <laughs> I'd watch because that's what we ended up talking about. 
That's that's what the uh, that's what that sub show in Rocco's Modern Life was, right? Wacky Deli. Rocco's that's what it should have been. Modern Life. Change. World. Digimon. Digital monsters. Digital